Brenton Brown is a very intelligent and capable person. From South Africa, he was awarded a Rhodes Scholarship to study politics and philosophy at Oxford University. He would have every reason to think he would be strong enough to conquer every obstacle in life. But in 2003, he was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. Having post-polio syndrome myself, I know what it's like to suffer through debilitating fatigue. But what may be seen as a weakness is often what the Lord uses to bring others to himself. Hi, I'm Charles Morris. This is The Great Stories Podcast. And today, I want you to hear my 2013 interview with Brenton Brown from his home in the Malibu Hills, a home that burned down five years later by an untamable wildfire. Now, you may not have heard of Brenton Brown by name, but you have certainly sung some of the songs he's written for the church, sung by just about every big name in Christian music, including the most played worship song on the radio in 2006, Everlasting God. As I mentioned earlier, he was a high achieving person whose future was stifled by illness. For a man struggling through chronic fatigue, scriptures describing an everlasting God who will not become faint nor grow weary were exactly what he needed to get through the day. It turns out, we all need this everlasting God. I know you'll be blessed to hear more of the story behind this song, as well as how Brenton goes about writing music for the church. And so, without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to Haven Today. And that was a song called Everlasting God. And we're doing programming out of the National Worship Leader Conference this week. And I'm with the musician that actually wrote that song, Brenton Brown. Thank you for joining us here on Haven Today. Thanks for having me, Charles. Hey, it's good to have you. And, uh, and, and pardon my ignorance of so many songs you have written, but I have sung that song so many times in church. I'm sure many of our listeners have as well. And with any song, there's got to be a story behind your writing it. Yes, there is a story. Um, and let me first just say my apologies to you. Normally I have husbands come up to me at the end of uh, events, worship <laughs> events, and say, my wife has been making me listen to your music for the last 10 years, and I normally have to uh, make some kind of apology. But yes, um, strange uh, as it always is to me um, to hear that people connect with these songs because they're written from a very personal place sure. yes. uh, and often out of quite difficult circumstances. And this one is no exception. I wrote it with a friend of mine, Ken Riley. And it took about three years in total to finish. Mm. Uh, it started at a worship retreat with some musicians. Uh, we got stuck in traffic and we were very tired by the time we got to the retreat center. So we just uh, we prayed for a little bit and we're gonna, planning on going to sleep. And while we were praying, I had this phrase, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, mm. which was obviously just you know, true for the moment, but um, is true for, for always, actually. He is the, the God who strengthens those who are weak. And uh, that stayed in my mind for a while and then uh, cut to two years later and uh, my wife and I had both been diagnosed with a condition called chronic fatigue syndrome mm. and suddenly the strength of the Lord became of great interest to us. Uh, and very personal, even more than ever. Yeah, uh, yeah, personal beyond the moment, personal for our whole lives. And 
as the name suggests, it's chronic. It's not terminal. You don't die from it necessarily, but uh, there, there's no known cure at this stage. And it comes and goes, and it sometimes comes at the worst times. Correct. Brenton, uh, how did you finish Everlasting God then? A friend of mine, Ken Riley, came over uh, to write with me one day, and uh, he'd come. He was a a worship leader and a, a and a youth evangelist up in Newcastle. We were living in London, and he came down, and uh, I was sick. Had been sick for a while. And uh, he played me this melody bridge idea, and our God, you reign forever, kind of mm. popped out of our mouths. I don't know who came up with it first. And we returned to the chapter in Isaiah 40 where the Lord says, you know, don't think I've forgotten about you. Remember this. I am the everlasting God. I do not grow faint. I won't grow weary. And we knew that this was the passage that we, we needed to put in the song. And so we um, we worked really hard for another year to try and get the sense and the point of Isaiah's uh, encounter with the Lord and the Lord's message to his people that those who wait on him don't grow weary. Mm. Uh, mm. They will not grow faint. Sure, they will go through trials and troubles, but he is stronger than all of those things. Mm. The Lord seems to work through the Word, doesn't he? And you've mentioned prayer, too. You ask the Lord uh, to to bless you in, in prayer and, and speak to you. But it does, as a songwriter, it seems to come out from the Word, doesn't it? It absolutely does, and there's no shortcut. I, like the musician in me would probably be happy to just walk into my little studio and, and, uh, and play music for eight hours and come back with a song for the church. But uh, unless there really is study and, and a grappling with the Word of God and allowing His Word to penetrate my heart and affect the way I see life and see him and follow him and lead my family uh the songs don't come and if they do they're they're weak sauce so i have to do it there's no there's no way around it and uh, there is so much life in that so it's a it's actually a a real blessing for me because um Mm. songs come out of that relationship with him brenton um people come to the national worship leader conference from all over and they want to know how to do it but you don't just sit down and say, I'm going to write a song today that everybody's going to sing and and it's going to be very popular around the world, especially as a Christian musician. It doesn't work that way, does it? No, uh, I, I wish it did, <laughs> but, it, but it really doesn't. Um, there's a lot of... There's a lot of mystery actually involved in writing these songs. You can't be 100% sure. Every time I start a song, I, I, I'm excited about it, obviously, because I'm working on it. But at mm-hmm. the end of it, I, I'll take a look at it and go, hmm. Maybe it's not so good. Not so great, yeah. And it's, uh, I call it the catch and release policy. So mm-hmm. I have to catch the fish, and then if it's undersized, I will release it back into the wilds. Mm. Um, <laughs> And <laughs> and occasionally they come back slightly bigger, but not always. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, we have this uh, second tier, or maybe uh, probably should be the first tier of responsibility involved in, in writing a song, and that's to make sure that what we're writing is true uh, and orthodox uh, and uh, aligns with Scripture. But more than that, it's something that we need to sing at this moment in time, mm-hmm. something that... Mm-hmm. Um, our community really needs to affirm a truth about the Lord that we need to have in our mouths, have in our hearts, have in our souls. Something, uh, just a little bit about your background. You grew up in South Africa, not Australia, in case someone's trying to peg your accent. You're a good man, Charles. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But 
your family came out of a missionary background, and, and uh, but then you got a Rhodes Scholarship. You went to Oxford. But then there was this draw of music for you, and at the same time, you studied theology, too. Yes. So I don't know if that means your music has depth or not, but uh, <laughs> one would hope. Well, exactly. After all those years, my dad's still wondering, why, why did he study for so many years? But, um, that was that moment where uh, I felt the, the you know, still small voice of the Lord asking me to do something that I was very sure I was not going to enjoy. And I couldn't imagine how it was going to end well, mm-hmm. you know, leaving mm-hmm. Uh, academia after so many years and and knowing that the job market was out there and waiting and kind of ask you know sending letters and asking for interviews and um, but I just felt the Lord say stay and uh, work with this church to be involved in this community I, I think this is great all your all your colleagues in school as you were working on a degree at Oxford they were on their way to become investment bankers and you know now their lives are miserable Marriages, if there were marriages, are probably in a shambles. And and the Lord lets you go into where he gifted you, which was really as a musician. Yeah, and there's been such a peace and freedom um, mm. to it. And he is very kind. Uh, I've been young and now I'm old. I love that, that verse, but I've mm-hmm. never seen the righteous begging for bread. And I've, I've found God to be a faithful provider. He's been so kind to us. And uh, I have no regrets. But when I was living in the spare room of a couple in our church working at a sandwich bar, at the time I was thinking, Mm. this is crazy. I really hope I heard right. Mm. Wow. Wow. Let's talk about another song you've written because, you know, we're airing this program. There's a conference going. There's hundreds of worship leaders from all over America coming. And we're offering, this week on the program, we're offering this new album that you've released in the last year. So you want to talk about the title song for that? Sure. Uh, It's a song called God My Rock. You can see a theme developing here. Um, (laughs) But I guess one of the... Everlasting God, God God My my Rock. rock. Yeah. But I mean, this is... Well, it's biblical. It is biblical. And this is really the the truth that, that sustains me. I remember, I don't know if you've ever been grocery shopping and you're at the store and you're in the line. And you're looking at your line, maybe there's three or four people in front of you, and you're looking at the line next to you and the line next to that, and you, you, you're having this little mental race going on in your head. I, I've never picked the right line, yeah. so keep going. So, and I, so and I'm always thinking, like, well, maybe I should have been at number four. Look at that lady's just moved up there. Oh, well, that teller is moving far quicker. Um, so I'm constantly doing this. Obviously, I was, ra- I was raised to be competitive. South Africans are competitive by nature, so I'm always looking around. At store, and I find that um, life with the Lord has certain similarities to that. There are moments where you're following Him and trying to be obedient and, and tracking Him, but then you're looking to the side of you and around, and you're, you're thinking, Now I wonder if I'm in the right line. I, I've been waiting a long time. Um, and uh, when you look at the scriptures and you see a lot of the characters in scripture, like Joseph and uh, Daniel and David and Moses, they all start out in the line, and it looks like things are going to move quickly. David gets anointed as the next king at an early age, and it looks like it's all going to come together. He's going to see the teller in the next few minutes, and then mm-hmm. uh, then just the wait, and uh, a lot of waiting, and, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes not just waiting, but uh, challenges and trials, difficulties shaping uh, our character and drawing us nearer to the Lord. And um, constantly I'm uh, I'm reminded by the Lord, don't change lines, don't look around you, I've got this, hang in there, I will come through for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the song, when my heart is overwhelmed, the words of David, 
that I wrote with Paul Balash or rewrote or stole, really, is the, the honest <laughs> truth. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed, I will look to you alone. God, my rock. God, my rock. God, my rock. You will stand when others fall. You are faithful through it all. God, my rock. God, my rock. God, my rock. In the blessing, in the pain. called God My Rock. It's by Brenton Brown. And that's also the title of his newest album. Brenton, thank you for joining us on the program here. And we're airing during the National Worship Leader Conference where you're one of the musicians that's being featured and is leading worship as well. Brenton, do you mind just sharing with us a little bit uh, with this song, Jesus Take All of Me, you also have another song that you weave in there. Now, I know there's a story behind that. you mind sharing that with us? Not at all. This is one of the the more interesting stories behind uh, a song on this new record. And it was a real privilege for us to be playing uh, with Will Graham at an event in Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what it is about the Grahams, but you come within 20 to 30 feet of them. And uh, if you're a musician, you want to sing the song just as I am. <laughs> I um, wonder why. Yeah, no idea. I just found myself <laughs> playing it and... Um, I don't know if it's a genetic gift or just a, a spiritual one from the Lord, but either way, uh, Will would get up, preach really well, and then uh, give the people in the room an opportunity to respond to the Lord's invitation to our life with Him. And every night, we'd see people come to the Lord. We'd see mm. people get saved. Mm. Very moving and uh, inspiring and uh, clearly something that the Spirit was doing. Well, the second night we were there, um, while I was noodling away in the back room, getting ready to go on um, with the song, Just As I Am, uh, we hear that Will was wrapping up and I got called on stage to stand behind him. And while I was standing there, before he'd even begun his uh, his altar call, his response to the message, a woman stood up in this room and and walked quite purposefully towards the stage. Now, we've been in a lot of meetings uh, as a worship leader. I'm kind of ready for anything. Right. <laughs> I'm, in my mind, I have this little phrase, come at me. I, I don't mind. <laughs> I'm kind of interested to see what, what happens in these events because uh, I like it when it gets real. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how this was going to end. but It's I'll, how the Lord works in uh-huh. our lives, though, especially uh, when uh, we just open ourselves. Yeah, to that. absolutely. Um, I was pretty sure this was going to end with ushers escorting the lady. But, um, <laughs> but as I looked up and looked into her, her face and her eyes, I could see that something quite precious was happening. And she walked up within about 10 feet of the stage and she looked up at Will and obviously now everyone's looking at her. And she said, um, is this really happening? Can I, can I do this? Can I get saved? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he said to her, yes, ma'am. Totally unplanned. Yeah, unscripted. It just reminded me of yes. those gospel stories, the guys climbing through the roof to get to Jesus mm-hmm. or the, the widow reaching out to grab his clothes uh, or, you know, all those stories, or the centurion writing all those days to get to him. This woman 
which is sometimes the hardest thing to do of all in front of a large crowd of people who are sitting, stand up and walk to the front before anything has been mentioned. She just knew she needed God. She needed to give her life to him and she wanted to do it right there. So she said to Will, um, is this where I need to be? Can I, can I stand here? And and he he's a he's a wonderful he's like John Wayne. He 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 said you can stand wherever you like, ma'am. Um, and she stood up, and then he you know verbalized the altar call, and people obviously moved by her and response. She was already there. She was there and ready to receive. Yeah. Christ. So that and those words, Jesus, take all of me. I run to you. I run to you. Uh, that was that woman. That was me. Just I just saw her eyes, and it just reminded me that. Uh, even though we can grow familiar with church and the form and order of these yeah. services, what's happening is a an encounter with the living God. And when he speaks to your heart uh, and you hear him clearly, you respond. It doesn't matter what that looks like. Just as I am, though tossed about with all my conflicts, all my doubts, fightings and fears. Within, without a lamb of God, I come, I come. Jesus, take all of me. I run to you, I run to you. I lay everything at your feet. from a new album by Brenton Brown, who uh, we have on with us as part of the National Worship Leader Conference going on this week in Southern California. Jesus, take all of me, slash, just as I am. Putting those two together and then telling us the story. Thank you for doing that as well. Brenton, you no longer live in South Africa. You're not making sandwiches for a living in Oxford after <laughs> getting a pretty high-powered degree that you never made any money from receiving. <laughs> How is it for you? You're you're living in Southern California. You're living in the Malibu Hills, raising your two little girls, you and your wife, Jude. What do you see as you look around here as a Christian who goes out and leads Christian music around the world? Well, we love uh, California, and it reminds us so much of South Africa, the beauty and the, the mountains and the ocean. I'm an ocean boy, so I'm in, in that water every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, uh, we're living right um, in the middle of uh, the entertainment industry, which from a distance can look a lot like our church services. You know, there's a large group of people. They're sitting in a in an auditorium. Uh, someone gets up behind a microphone, picks up an instrument maybe, and begins to sing and make music. And from that perspective, it's like, well, is there any difference between that and American Idol? Or mm. This is a challenge for worship leaders. In my heart, I've kind of come to acknowledge that the giants in the land, certainly in my little land, are, are the giants of celebrity and entertainment. That somehow the worship leader or whoever it is that's leading the service is uh, a cut above everybody else, is more important and more interesting than everybody else. Uh, is uh, has a better life and is someone to aspire to be like. But we know that the truth of this mm. uh, and what got us in the door is that no one is good but God. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who deserves honor. And it's obviously deeply disturbing mm. and uh, and sometimes very difficult for worship leaders 
to uh, encounter that because what we're trying to do, our job description really is to help people focus on the Lord and give Him honor. So Point people away from ourselves. Right. right. So um, the last thing you want as a worship leader is attention being on you. You want it on the Lord. Mm. So uh, that's something that um, we have to constantly be aware of. And I, I think the, the one thing that can really help that and address that is just being human, just being yourself. Allow people to see you in your vulnerability. Just as I am. Yeah. Wow. Sure. Yes, Charles. Which was written for Christians. Yeah. It was not at first an right. invitation hymn. Yes, Charlotte that came Elliot, later right. after Billy started preaching. Yeah. Amen. So, um, and isn't that wonderful? We're all, we're all the same. It's such a relief. And, Absolutely. Uh, and there's so much grace and peace in, in the gospel that we all stand equal before the Lord, loved and chosen by Him, you know, crucified and resurrected in, in Him. And, and this is uh, the beauty of the gospel. So that's that. And, you know, um, the entertainment element of it is, uh, is obviously very challenging because it's just, you walk in, you sit down, you see someone pick up an instrument and it just feels like, well, this is going to be... A show, but really, that's the last thing we want. We want mm. this to be an offering to the Lord, an offering from hearts given over to Him, uh, hearts of adoration, hearts of surrender. So, uh, if there's anything to pray for, if you if you're a prayer and you want to pray for worship ministers and worship ministries and churches across the land, those that would be a good thing to pray for. That somehow we would be able to um, defeat those two giants. We, we'd allow people to see. Jesus as the main reason, the only reason that we're, we're there on Sundays. Brenton Brown, do you mind just leading all of us in prayer and, and maybe even praying for people who uh, direct choirs, play organs, play guitars, they're in a praise band, and they're just trying to please the Lord with worship. Father, thank you so much for saving us, for drawing us, for calling us into your presence, into a life of hope and peace and joy in you. You are aware of every person uh, who is serving you. You never take your eye off the ball. You're never sleeping. You're never napping. You're watching and uh, your heart is for us. Lord, I ask that you would encourage and strengthen all of those people, uh, all of us who are trying to lead your people in worship. Mm. Lord, would you direct our steps? Would you... Uh, be pleased with the meditations of our heart. Would your spirit fill our decisions? Would your spirit fill our service that we would honor you um, by loving your church? Uh, give us hearts to worship and hearts to serve and praise you. I love you, God. Amen. Amen. Brenton Brown, thank you so much for uh, just leading us in prayer. Thanks for being on the program today. It's a busy conference. You've got things to do, but uh, thank you for blessing all of us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Charles. Thank you for joining us on Great Stories with Charles Morris. And I'm so glad I was able to meet Brenton Brown in his home to have that conversation back in 2013. Now, for more episodes like this, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover more episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you again for joining me here on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Mm-hmm.